I don't know, man. I'm gonna, I want to be the librarian, but it would be nice to be able to. Eh. They, were, they were like a show, man. That was uh, good. Well, I mean, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you you find really the the people that talk with their body when you get into kind of like this focused frame, uh, and yeah. even more so like the the upper body, like because people talk with their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. Oh, I have my little man. book here in case I need to reference something, but. I should probably leave it shut. No, no. I mean, what what all what all is written down in the book? Oh, just the um, email in case I, because uh, I want to tell people that they can, you know, they can write me, and volunteer to be on the on the Saluki stories. So, what is that email address that they can email you at? It is Saluki Stories at siu edu. Stellar, and uh, that's where we're going to start episode fifteen. Uh, where we interview John Pollitz. I've got to look at the screen to make sure I pronounce the name. Pollitz. Pollitz. See, I couldn't even yeah. pronounce it correctly That's while reading right. it. John Pollitz. And John, your position is the... I am the Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale. The Dean of Library Affairs. Yeah. And it's SMC. not as exciting as it sounds. We're going to find out how exciting that is. Um, <laughs> it is WTF Carbondale, the podcast where we where we interview interesting people like John about their interesting lives, like he lives, whether he wants to admit it or not. Uh, and we tie it all together uh, to this little old place we call home, Carbondale. And um, yeah, so I, the I kind of kicked these off with just kind of organic conversation. So you being able to talk about like where you wanted to go there was was spot on. Um, the the next question I would say before we get back to talking about Saluki stories is how did you get to Carbondale, oh, John? <laughs> okay, well that that might you know I was worried about filling in you know an hour's worth, but I could I could do an hour. So <laughs> so here's my Saluki story, and uh, it is. Um, I went to undergrad here. Okay. 1970 to 75. I was one of the original five-year plan guys. Uh-huh. And uh, so I went to school here, uh, got a degree in uh, education with a history background. I taught, um, uh, student taught at Lincoln Junior High. Uh, that's no <laughs> longer here. We did the first play, The Ransom of Red Chief, think that's it wow uh in in years seventh graders on stage acting <laughs> it was wild it was it was great and and uh you know my experience here was just amazing uh i that you know, that's why i'm excited about Staliki stories but so my story is i uh i was walking into the library one day and i didn't go to the library all that much mm -hmm. but i had to get a reserve reading and I saw this girl there, and she was like, "Woo!" <laughs> I said, "I said, man, that girl's pretty." And so I, I sat there and read. I, I don't know what if I really read it, but I was watching her the whole time, and then uh, didn't say anything. And then uh, went back home. I lived uh, lived right across the street from Lincoln uh -huh. Junior High, and they tore it. They've already torn down the building oh, or yeah. the house. They tore down the building. They tore down my 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 house. Oh, no, no. Yeah, so there's like no, there's no record mm -hmm. of me being here. Anyway, um, so I saw saw this that same woman walking across, you know, walking past the uh, to her apartment building. Uh -huh. That apartment building's still here. And I said, man, she is cute. And so, you know, I would like, 
kind of, somebody said, are you, were you stalking her? I guess maybe a little bit. <laughs> and now you're married. And now we're married. Ah! We- <laughs> Oh man, I'm going to catch flack for even embracing the, the <laughs> that concept in our modern day and age. But no, good. I'm yeah. glad. It's- well, it was great because uh um she was an art history major and for a while I was a photography major. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take some art class and I took um a sculpture class in the glove factory. And we were both in that glove factory class together. And that's where we met. And <laughs> it was great. And so, you know, it's like those are, and and that's what we're we're capturing with Saluki stories. I'm yeah. bringing it back all the time, but but this was a magical place um, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Probably it was in the 60s too. And that's and so anyway, so back to the to a flow. Uh, I uh, you know graduated. <laughs> we went out to San Francisco mm-hmm. instead of getting a job. Um, didn't really happen out in San Francisco, came back, and I moved furniture for about a year, and I said, man, I got to get back in school. <laughs> and so uh, we got married, um, and lived in Des Plaines, Illinois, and then, and then uh, got, got uh, accepted into the University of Denver, and, uh, and we went out there, and I was going to get a PhD in uh, Latin American history, and, and that was crazy. I, I thought it was a, a state school. Uh-huh. Know, it was like one of the most expensive schools in the nation. <laughs> and fortunately, my wife got a job uh, in the library out there, and I uh, and I got a, a a GA position, TA position in the history department. So it was all free. Mm-hmm. This place where they, there were Maseratis packed on, <laughs> parked on the street next to the dorms, and it was. It was where um, the second sons of the Eastern elite went to school, you okay. know, because the first son got to go, uh, got to run the company. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He was the one that was going to get all the money. The second son <laughs> was the one that said, "Yeah, I'm a." They didn't really, you know, whatever you want to do, and yeah. that kid went out to ski in Colorado. <laughs> but it was a great place, and so I didn't get a. A PhD stopped when my first daughter was born, moved furniture, uh, and then drove a truck for about eight years. And then my wife finally said, come on, man. <laughs> Get <laughs> it got together, a, John. <laughs> you, got, you got a master's degree, and, uh, and you're driving a truck, and you're, you know, it's not, not good. And uh, so why don't you go back to library school? Because uh-huh. the master's helps you out. And so I did. And I got a job. Um, Got a degree, got a job at Augustana College up in Rock Island, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that, I became the director of the library at St. Ambrose University, which was right across the river in the Quad Cities. Okay. And uh, both were just wonderful. And then I said, well, you know, I want to stretch my wings a little bit. My kids were uh, out of the, out of, you know, we were empty nesters. So we said, let's, let's go to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I got a job at uh, Oregon State, and it was just, it's a, Beautiful place, beautiful, but it was a little too far for us. Out of a, we're mid, we found out we were Midwesterners. Ah, very good, very good. So I was looking <laughs> for a job, got a job at um, uh, University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. I was there for about ten years, and it was a great job. And a little cold. Mm-hmm. I was like, I would take pictures of myself with 
icicles on my on my eyelashes and mustache when mm-hmm. I was would walk to to work at 13 below zero. So it was it was a pretty cold place. Mm-hmm. And I was getting ready to retire and this job came up. And so uh I said, man, I gotta try this out. This would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Go back to Carbondale. You know, and uh I I interviewed, got the job, and man, I just love this. I love it. I love this place. I love our students. And and so I am dean of library affairs, so it's not just the library, but uh, the I, I'm responsible for the library, the SIU Press, mm-hmm. and the University Museum. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so Can, you're everything. Yeah. Wow. And, and I had one guy tell me that um, I'm in charge of the heart, the soul, and the brain mind of the university. And it's kind of true. Yeah. Because the... the how is it, would it be the mind is the press, mm-hmm. uh, the heart is the museum, and the soul is the is the library, and it and it's just it's like you know I mean we could have a little more money, <laughs> but, but but you know but it's like it's it's just a beautiful um, a beautiful combination of these exciting things, mm-hmm. and so that's why we can talk about. Um, so I've got a little bit of background in art. I've got books and, and you know, an interest in, in libraries beyond just books. Yeah. And so um, it's just great. And the, the press is doing amazing things. The, everything's struggling, right? Yeah. You know, everything in Carbondale is. But, but um, you know, w- there's so much exciting things going on. Here. And we're, we're, I keep telling people that, you know, carbon SIU is like this. It's like these threads hanging down. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon we're going to get them all together mm-hmm. and, and then really move out. Uh, I just had that all over my face, but, you know, <laughs> really get it together. And so it's, real, it's an exciting place to be. We're right on the cusp. Um, one of the things that's fun is I get to uh, talk to alumni and mm-hmm. try and Turn them upside down, shake money out That's of their right. pockets. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I, but I, but that has brought us, brought me to meet so many interesting people. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things we're, we're here to talk about, I guess, I, I should let you maybe no, ask some questions. no, you should not. You should, you should <laughs> let me shut up and you just keep talking because right. well, you got this, John. One of the things, that, <laughs> one of the reasons I, you know, I was so happy you called me. Well, one thing was. Uh, I, you know, as a as a shy retiring kind of librarian, I never thought I would be on a show that is the podcast from WTF Carbon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying it without the expletive. That's yeah, all it takes. Right, right. That's, no, all, that's all. I tell people it's like, listen, this platform was was something that somebody else started and gifted to me, and I'm ever so grateful for the work that they did to allow me to even inherit this but i work it through the acronym not through the phrase because i'm trying to be pg over here i'm trying to be you know i'm trying to be a little edgy but a little family friendly all in one because that i mean arguably that's carbon yeah well you know i am going to tell all my friends about this and when it comes out i'm gonna you know really so i don't you know um i don't want my sisters to hear (laughs) oh my (laughs) my. (laughs) so anyways i you know to think that i'd ever 
you know, be there. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway, so, so what happened was, uh, I was, I was on a, a, a fundraising trip mm -hmm. with, uh, our, um, our foundation person, Kevin Clark. Uh -huh. And he's a, he's, he's a dyed in the wool Saluki and Carbondale person. Great. He's not from Carbondale, but he loves it. And so we, we went on a trip to, um, New York city. And, uh, so I grew up in, in Arlington Heights, Illinois, mm -hmm. you know, love outside of Chicago, love Chicago. Um, I worship, I mean, I just adore Chicago. And, and I, my life has always been, what, what do you mean New York? <laughs> Chicago is the place, man. Uh -huh. There's Everything is happening in Chicago. New York. <laughs> well, we went out there for this trip, and we met so many cool places, who were cool people who were associated with the arts here mm -hmm. in Carbondale and who were associated with the SIU Press. And it was, I got to admit, grudgingly, grudgingly, <laughs> that that New York is like the you know the uh, the cultural center of the U.S. and maybe the world. There is so much happening there. Um, we we had dinner with this woman who was an author for the had had written a book for the SIU Press, mm -hmm. and uh, she was real mad at us because we we got to the dinner late. <laughs> <laughs> She, she, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, to just, I really had a schmoozer big. Uh -huh. And, uh, but, um, she was kind of upset because we were late and she had to go to a play. And the reason she had to go to a play was she was on the committee that awards the Tonys. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. No big yeah. Deal. <laughs> and it was like, whoa. So, you know, I tried to, you know, she was understanding. We finally cooled her down a little bit. And, but, you know, it was that kind of people I was meeting. Yeah. And uh, so as we're going through, I had, um, as soon as I got here, I ran into Pinckney Benedict, mm -hmm. who, was in, who was a professor in the, in the creative writing program. With arguably one of the best names I've ever heard. Really? No? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm Pinckney Benedict. And he comes from West Virginia. Oh, yeah. You Hill think people. he'd be Perfect. from, you know, England or something <laughs> mm -hmm. like Oxford. Yeah, so I'm Pinckney Benedict. But anyway, that was a terrible accent. <laughs> That's okay. I, I was it's trying, okay. but it missed. <laughs> Embrace it, John. Yeah, Embrace right. It. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so so he's talking about how the future of creative writing is in podcasts and virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, whoa. And so, so I start listening to him. And one of the things that, you know, as a librarian, as a dean of libraries, you got to be in touch with what faculty are doing and certainly what, what students are doing. Yeah. So, you know, we're walking around and, and, and I'm thinking about Pinckney and how his students are, are doing their creative writing through podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, I gotta, this would be perfect if I could interview these people because mm -hmm. they're blowing me away. They're just so <laughs> interesting and so talented. And so we kept talking about it and talking about it. And, and I, I truly am kind of <laughs> a shy guy. Um, and I just couldn't bring myself to get, get it going. But Kevin pushed us and and me and 
so we came up with this idea last homecoming about a year ago that we would um, inter get together with the SIU Alumni Association, interview people um, at the homecoming. It was a, the big mm -hmm. homecoming, mm -hmm. SIU at 150, and we set up these booths to do recordings. We got some students to help us with it. Mm -hmm. And we recorded about 40 people, I think, and, about, and came out with, with 20 good recordings. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so we, we put a couple, we, we worked with Pinkney and uh, put a couple on, or put one on in a trailer, and then it just kind of sat. Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody got involved with other stuff. So in the spring, I, I said, we got to get this thing going again. And, and Kevin said, yeah, we got to do it. And we started shipping around trying to get somebody else to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I had, <laughs> you know, I was kind of excited about doing it, but I was too afraid to really do it. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody was, was picking up on, on our thing. So I finally said, all right, I'm going to do it. We, um, we got Pinkney to load all of the recorded. They had already edited these episodes. Mm -hmm. He loaded them all onto Anchor which is a big, I guess, podcasting mm -hmm. uh, development website. And, and then I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start taking up the, 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 um, the interviews. Well, I'll start uh, putting out the first uh, season. Mm -hmm. And so picking up the interviews is a whole nother story. But anyway, <laughs> um, we're publishing. We started in September publishing episodes we've done 11 episodes the 11th episode just came out uh wednesday and and then we'll release every wednesday uh until january wow the the episodes and this last episode i gotta tell you about uh, <laughs> it just came out um i think it was two women and fortunately it was one it was the one interview i did and i was so lucky to do this because mm -hmm. we were sitting on there Friday <laughs> afternoon there were two interviews scheduled one at four one at 4 30 something mm -hmm. like that on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock these two women came in and they said we're the next two scheduled interviews could we do it together <laughs> I said sure you know we said sure you know I, I didn't know what I was doing we had a script and everything mm -hmm. and um they started talking and their story was that they came down here and met. They were, you know, had separate lives, but they met through ROTC, Air mm -hmm. Force ROTC. And one of the questions was, what was the most influential thing in your life as a, as a Saluki down here? And they said, ROTC, mm -hmm. it changed our lives. And, uh, and actually, they both have careers, went on to careers in the Air Force. Oh, wow. And so, um, and they were talking and uh, telling about their lives. And, and one, this one woman had, uh, it's a long interview, but it's worth listening to. Mm -hmm. uh, this one woman had uh, come here as a kid to stay with her grandma who lived here. Mm -hmm. And her grandma... Um, you know, was, lit, was, was here. She had such good memories. She said, I'm coming to Carbondale to go to school. 
she lived up in Washington State. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so she did. And the other woman, I'm not sure. I think she came down here or her family moved to Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. And they lived in a trailer. And they saved up enough money to go to school. And so they were talking about the ROTC and how it was really a good, um, you know, you tell students, one of the things that students need to know is that in order to succeed and really succeed and have fun is to get a, a group together, get a support group, meet mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. get connected. And ROTC is what did it for them, for these two women. And then we got a sort of straight off the, 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 the script and they, the one said, well, you know, it was, ROTC was helpful because I got pregnant when I was in school mm -hmm. and I was unmarried and it wasn't, it was, this is in the nineties, mm -hmm. but it still wasn't, you know, a really, oh yeah, hey, you're pregnant, let's, you know, have a bit party and that kind of stuff. Yeah. She was a little nervous about it and her family was real helpful. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I had my baby and they, we, you know, my son was, and so, I forget all what she was talking about, but it was, you know, it was here, this is a real, this is not a traditional college student mm -hmm. story. And so I said, man, this is great. And I kind of got choked up. I'm kind of an, I kind of do that. And so I started like, well, that's just a great story. And I turned to the other one and, and uh, I said, well, what's your story? And she goes, well, I wasn't going to say this, but I guess since uh, my friend, you know, came out, she said, well, I was going to school, and uh, my grandmother died halfway Oof. through it. She was the one, you know, she's like such a, and it was, and I'm, I shouldn't be, I'm not, I'm, I'm wrong to be making light of this because yeah. it was a real moment, and it was really a powerful moment that this woman was, was shared this, this important part of her life that really was shattering. Um, but she said that her friends at ROTC and the, and the connections she made there helped her through all that. And uh, so we were all crying. <laughs> it was just a, a, a sob fest, but yeah. it was just such a beautiful thing. And those, that's why um, I think this Saluki stories really has a, there's, there's so many interesting stories about, of the people who go through school here. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's why, I mean, I love Carbondale. I had such, it was so important in my life. Met my wife here. Um, but more than that. And, uh, but it is, it's so important to these students. And, and for me, I see these young, I, you know, young whippersnappers going <laughs> through here. And, and uh, you know, the, I don't get to work directly with so many students now except for the ones that work in the library. Mm -hmm. But it is so wonderful to get to know them. They're, they're on the cusp, and that's what's so beautiful about what we do. Yeah, they're on the cusp of their lives. Mm -hmm. It, you know, you could go to school and get out of school and go work in a factory, um, and then you're really doing your life mm -hmm. at 17 or 18. Um, but college gives you a little bit of time to ease into the realities of, you know, paying the bills. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got bills to pay, and uh, and it's so fun to see them kind of blossom and then move out. 
and and even as I'm talking about this, I'm remembering those two women I I um, interviewed because I we talked about this. I keep thinking about 18 to 24 year olds, mm-hmm. and they were not. They were non traditional age students. Yeah. They were living their lives already, sort of. You know, they had kids, um, and so that has changed a lot. Our students are not all just you know, freshly scrubbed little kids out of the, off the farm or, or out of the suburbs or something mm-hmm. like that, or out of the city. Um, our, our students now have, have many different concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, they are living a real life. Yeah. Um, but I still, it's still fun to see them working hard, uh, developing their intellect, uh, developing their who they're going to be for the rest of their lives and man that's that's an exciting endeavor to be be a part of well and i, I you made a good point about you know how school at this uh you know level of education is just as much about that network as it is anything else yeah right and I, I, one of the things that has always been uh you know essential about this place's operation is how it allows people to develop their networks in a way that isn't heir apparent in your typical college town, right? There is a structure to the institution and the relationships. You know, that's why people go to Harvard to get plugged into yeah, right. the thing yeah. that's been there for, a, you know, the a particular organization in a particular way that's centuries old. But here, it's like you come here and you have to <laughs> create uh, or, or you know, locate uh, a standalone type of group that is itself making its own way in the world, and that's what develops the type of people like the Tony person you're talking about, right? You don't yeah. just you don't just find yourself on an award committee for the Tonys. Right. You have a unique way of making your life through the relationships around you, and that's an essential component of an education in Carbondale uh, that is not as an essential part of the education everywhere. Yes, exactly. And and I think it's it's because of where we're at. Mm-hmm. We're not um you know, we're not uh on the main road. We're on the main uh, I mean the, <laughs> the in Illinois Central yeah. is is critical to this. Mm-hmm. Um but we're out here in the woods. <laughs> and and you know we're somewhat isolated, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. It was like those, the Electric Larry and uh-huh. Megan. They sought this place out. Yeah. And they were doing creative things. And there are people out here who, uh, who are doing such wonderful things. These mm-hmm. sculptures, sculptors, uh, the, the blacksmith that did the Salukis. So John Medvedev is on my list. I know his wife. Uh, Cynthia. Yeah. Uh, so I, I reached out to her, and I always feel bad when I'm reaching out to like somebody to ask them about their their yeah, they're a, they're, they're a little bit yeah, more right. famous counterpart, right? Because like Cynthia yeah, right. is a phenomenal what in her own mean? right. What about me? Exactly, right? <laughs> so I feel I'm like, oh man, heart. but you know, it's it just happens to be the pertinent conversation. And Cynthia, I know you're the person who makes sure everything's on track in the back of that shop, but could you please connect me with John because he's kind of the face on this stuff? But like. Yeah, I mean, the, those people exist, and they either exist here, they exist as a as a pass-through here, they're constantly coming back yeah, or connected yeah. to it, or they're always carrying a memory of this place with them. With them. Look at, yeah, you know, one of, the, one of the cool things is I'm on the committee that um, 
sifts through the nominations for the honorary degree. Uh -huh. And, you know, we've had some interesting people. I don't know if you've, a couple years ago, I was very proud uh, to be able to nominate a guy named Charles Neblett. And Charles Neblett uh, came down here, was going to school. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he came up from Cairo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was mm -hmm. going to school here. And in the sixth, in the early 60s, late 50s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he tells a story, and I can't tell it how he, he does, but he, um, they, were, they were working on civil rights here. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he, he was moving to make them, make the administration, Delight Morris and the administration, mm -hmm. uh, be more active in, in desegregating the, the dorm, mm -hmm. dorms. Mm -hmm. Some were desegregated, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. And so they passed around some sort of one-page flyer that mm -hmm. told all the secrets, and evidently there were some secrets of the administration. <laughs> and Delight Morris got a, got a hold of it and knew who was doing it. He said he, they, he, Morris called him into to his office, and they thought, man, we we're going to get in so much trouble. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, Morris, you know, was wagging his finger, but, and, you know, gave him what's for, but didn't kick mm -hmm. him out, didn't do anything like, you know, didn't do all that he could have and all they were afraid of. And they, him and this buddy went walking out and they go, whoa, what happened? And, uh, but later he did leave and he went down to organize uh, and march in Cairo in Illinois, which mm -hmm. was a real, uh, another one of the pivot points for um, the civil rights movement in the early 60s. And actually Charles Neblett went on to be a singer in the Freedom Singers, mm -hmm. and it was for uh, people who would who would bring the music along with the marches, and it was very important, of course, in the movement. And so he's a real, imp I mean, you know, it's very important part of the civil rights movement. They had a big, they sang at Newport, they sang at the Lincoln Center, and Charles Neblett came back here, did a. He's still got family in, in Marion, mm -hmm. uh, and it was such a, a thrill to meet him and to meet his His wife was, like, amazing. She was like a, a, a force of nature, and she, was, and she was just a delightful and wonderful person. They brought a bunch of the family here. It was incredible. And then a guy like Bob Odenkirk, mm -hmm. I wish I could. I almost, you know, got to meet him, but <laughs> covid came into it and he's on the red carpet talking about how much he loves Carbondale mm -hmm. and what a you know amazing guy and there are amazing people who went to school here and were were changed by this well and we're still creating them every day yeah absolutely right? like, like yeah, who's yeah, yeah. You know who's you know who's the next collection uh, you know individual I mean right. you know we, we right. don't we don't stop molding these fantastic individuals. Yeah. And that's why this place is important. That is what a what a great story. What a uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think the the Charles Neblet story is one that you know is rooted in you know the less favorable aspects of Carbondale 
as a small, still in 2020, segregated community. Yeah. yeah right? And yeah. that itself affords exposure to what is kind of this laboratory of humanity in this town that, yeah, yeah. you know, in, in a larger city participating in civil rights activities, uh, you know, participating in, um, you know, a, a modern social uh, justice movement, uh, the, the activity in a larger area is, can be kind of lost, Right. right. You know, it's just as easy to go home at night and everything's just in its own pockets within the city. But here it's it's just big enough that there's all of these moving parts, but it's just small enough that there is no leaving it at the doorstep. Right. This is yeah. always here. This is always part of us. And our daily lives are <laughs> are impacted by it, whether we understand it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's another thing, you know, in, in addition to the networking aspect, the the understanding of the the town and the community as a whole is this living laboratory of what it means to respect other human beings yeah. Yeah. Um, is is important. Absolutely. To, <laughs> Absolutely. Know, I mean, you know, we are. I saw that you interviewed Father Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we're <laughs> we are learn growing every day. Yeah. But um, but it's really it's an interesting place. I mean, you got Dick Gregory, is an alum. So uh, you know, we got some important people. The first, I got to meet the first uh, African American pilot for United Airlines, mm -hmm. who went to school here. Um, and then and then like just this summer. Um, so the. The curator of the of the museum, one Wes, of the curators. Is it still Wes? Wes, yeah, yeah. I used to work with Wes Did at the pizza place. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. So Wes put out a call for people who participated in the Black uh, Lives Matter marches this uh -huh. summer mm -hmm. to to um, submit photographs, and mm -hmm. he made a display. Of, We're all in this together. I think is yeah. is the exhibit, and it was. Um, I mean, can you imagine? That there was a march for Black Lives Matter in Anna, Illinois. Yeah, which is, you know, I was I, I, I was watching that uh, the show, amazing show, uh, Lovecraft Con mm -hmm. County. Yep, I've, I've watched all the way through. So first any, any episode, reference you make, I'm on board. Uh, first episode, mm -hmm. they're getting out and they say, "Well, we can't drive through Anna," mm -hmm. and and they mention it. Yeah, as a you know, a sundown town. Now, it's not like Southern Illinois was the only place in Illinois that had sundown towns. Yeah, but um, we've that's a that's a burden and a struggle that's been going on here for years. And you've got to think, of, you know, how that is juxtaposed against the backdrop of, you know, the the parade that came through town oh, last week. Yeah. And I, I don't, I've <laughs> yeah. got my own issues I got to deal with there. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. uh, that we don't have to go down the rabbit hole, but these, but these forces all clash in this space. And that type of pressure is what forces people, I won't say forces, but it's what creates, right? It's kind of like diamond to coal. Yeah, right, the, the right. Pressure, the, the pressure makes something beautiful. The chemical reaction or mm -hmm. the, the, the soup that is happening here. Yep. That's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. On so, a more happy note. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I would, I, you know, I loved it. I listened to that podcast today while I was at work and how 
enthusiastic you are about Carbondale. I mean, so, <laughs> so you know, I was coming back home three years ago, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, to come back home, and things had changed. There were things that were still the same. And for, you know, we lived in the Quad Cities, and that's pretty, um, we raised our kids there and stuff like that. And, and it's a small town, but a small town of 400,000 people, mm -hmm. or small area. And, uh, but it still seemed kind of, you know, rural. Um, it's not a Chicago. Then we went out to Corvallis, Oregon. That's really a, just a college town, a cool college town. And then Eau Claire, that's in the middle of almost the North Woods, and then came down here. And so we were used to pretty small town life. Mm -hmm. And came down here and looked around, and there were, there was a two Indian, no, three Indian restaurants, mm -hmm. a Brazilian restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, a marvelous Thai place, plus other, you know, mm -hmm. Chinese food. Um, and then, and then we discovered that there were two panaderias. <laughs> you know how rare a Mexican bakery is? Mm -hmm. In a big town, even. And, and they're good. And well, unfortunately, the one closed up, but we still, we still have a Mexican bakery yeah. in Carbondale. It's like unheard of. You know, and it, you know, the, the thing, and, I, and I've said it on darn near every podcast at this point, you know, my, my line for Carbondale is you don't have to go to the world. The world comes to you. The other side of that is this is a truly global community. Yeah. Right. And we've talked about how we may impact people all over the country, but the reality is we've got global influence that, again, not every, you know, there are plenty of colleges that do have global footprints, but not every college and university in this country pursues global student bodies. We do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and I forgot to mention, <laughs> there's a vegetarian restaurant right. here in this small town. Yep. And we're vegetarian, so it's like amazing. And it's good. The, yeah. the food's good. And, uh, and then... So I'm working, and you know I'm getting to know the people I work with, and I find out this one guy's in a band, and mm -hmm. I said, "Oh, cool! I love music," you know. And I, you know, I thought thought about the the music. This has got. This has a history of amazing music. I mm -hmm. got to tell you. Yeah. And um, so I said, "Oh, you know, I, yeah, I'd love to come see you." And you know, I thought it was just being nice. <laughs> <laughs> supporting, you know, a musician in Can the I library. ask who it was? If you don't want to say who it was, that's fine. I'll I'm tell you, man. <laughs> it was uh, um, it, uh, uh, um, uh, it was Matt Borowitz. Oh, Matt, yeah, absolutely. And he plays in Fiddle Rick and the Bourbon yeah. Boys. And we came up, and we saw him upstairs here. Yeah. And, and I'm like, holy cow, these guys play blues. They play... Zydeco, they mm -hmm. play, and then my wife goes, and they're playing uh, the klezmer music. Yeah, <laughs> you know that accordion guys. They did. Oh, it was amazing. They're a talented mm -hmm. group. We've had them for two fundraisers at the library, and I oh, just no. love them. And uh, you know, and then I'm working with Jenny Johnson. Oh yeah. And what a voice that woman has. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, Iver Jones. Ivis Johns. Ivis Johns. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> now Sorry, I'm going to have to man. pick her. Next time I see Ivis, I'll be oh, like, man, hey, I'm Iver Jones. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard him out playing, and he really knocks it out. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, and then Kent Williams. Do you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, <laughs> I, every person you have listed, I have worked a so, concert with since the pandemic started. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, Kent. <laughs> Or no, I'm thinking Kent McDaniel. I'm sorry, but no, 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 you're right. Okay, Kent McDaniel. Cool. Right, Kent McDaniel go. and his wife, right? Yep. Dorothy. Yeah. Yep. So, I'm um, I'm talking to a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, mm -hmm. who he's the guy who came down here, and stayed a little past when I was here, and and would listen to Sean Colvin, Sean yeah. Colvin all the time. Oh, he was the guy chasing the seventh year senior. Yeah. Right. Status. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, this was uh, Vietnam days, okay, and so. Fair, fair. Uh, I don't know if I sh should tell his, but, you know, he came down here, had a great freshman year, mm -hmm. but, you know, had to go into the Army. Unfortunately, yeah. he didn't go to Nam. But anyway, so um, his first wife is from Metropolis, where Kent is from, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and was great friends with him. His first wife I'm still in contact with, um, and uh, they named their their first son, their son, no, their second son, Kent. Wow. Because of their friendship with Kent McDaniel. So this is part of, like, yeah, I come on here and say all sorts of whatever about Carbondale and get interesting people's stories, but the real core component to doing this podcast, to recording this activity, to having conversations with people like, you know, some people may listen to this and go, oh, my gosh, how much of this did these guys drum up beforehand? The reality is we never had a conversation know, beyond, hey, John, you want to do the podcast? Yeah, I'll do the podcast. Hey, I'll see you at 6 o'clock. All right, be there at 6 o'clock. All right, I'm running a little bit late. All right, we're here. Boom, let's set it up. Yeah. And now we're talking like yeah. this is the first exploratory conversation you and I have had. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And and what this podcast I'm hoping will will do is find these relationships tell these relationships in a way that allows people to continue to, like you said, go from having the strings hanging to snapping together and Ex pulling yes, upward. Yeah, and yeah. now all of a sudden we've got this living, breathing, uh, you know, media document that showcases these relationships between individuals. They're not just people that you see at functions. They're not just people you see on stage or in the newspaper or, you know, here on the radio, whatever it may be, that, you know, there are all these people doing all these things, and they are all interconnected and very well nestled in, these relationships are very well nestled into one another. Absolutely. And I think, and I, again, I got to go back to, I think it's, it, it's our isolation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, um, and the university brings talented people mm -hmm. to this isolated area, and and I don't know. It's the primordial soup that, that <laughs> you know kind of think brings things together. Let me. So so another yep. project that is so exciting to me, and I'm only tangentially uh, involved, mm -hmm. although I think we were like kind of the catalyst. <laughs> so um, like I said, I I you know I was blown away by Pinkney. Pinkney is mm -hmm. a, a force of nature. Yeah. He's just amazing. And he was, I, you know, I, I bought on the Pinkney train. <laughs> choo, choo. Yeah, right. And so. Dare might say, we're going to Pinkneyville. Yeah, right. God yeah. damn it, Nathan. Oh. 
I'm sorry. Listen, man, I haven't had I haven't had a I haven't done a comedy show since like March 11th, March, early March, and I'm jonesing, man. Yeah, huh? I'm yeah. I'm missing I'm missing an audience. I'm missing a stage. Like this is this is me- well, like I what w- we're doing here is methadone to heroin. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at right now. I've done everything that I can to satiate this appetite for these awful ass jokes. <laughs> <laughs> like keep them keep them rolling. I'll oh, be your audience. God. Yeah. Anywho, so 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 anyway, so <laughs> so Pinkney, you know, is getting a reputation on campus, and mm-hmm. he's one of those, he's one of those strings that people keep, yep. you know, like uh like a, uh, um, you know, a, a web. The flies keep coming to his web. Da- David Brooks, a New York Times columnist, yeah. conservative fellow. I, I'm I'm familiar with him because I watch PBS NewsHour. Right. And Mark yeah. Shields and David Brooks yeah. is my jam. And yeah. uh, <laughs> the uh, he. Before the pandemic and midway through Donald Trump's presidency, when he was still in honeymoon phase, uh, he was talking about the the books that he was writing. It was all about community weavers, and like that's his really? concept. And, yeah. and he put yeah. that forth talking about that. And I've not read his book on it yet. Uh, probably never will because right. I'm lazy. But all the- you have to do is hear about. My <laughs> wife loves to watch book TV because she said, "Well, you know, you hear somebody talk about their book, you get it. You don't yeah. have to read it." Exactly. <laughs> I'm. The- I'm, I'm your wife and That's I would get it. along. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, his his con- concept of the weavers and you know the 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 book is all about people that do that. And it's like I don't need to do that. I'm around a community full of that, right? It's right. again we go back to large places require single individuals to weave it together. A place like this is f- smaller and full of individuals who are themselves constantly weaving in and out of one another. Yeah, but you know, you're weaving here. You're weaving here. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're weaving at W at the at the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, because bringing together people yeah. to, and to but you know and folks like Pinkney are are there are so many of them but it's you know to see somebody emerge right because I'm starting to hear Pinkney's name yeah. more more and more often I didn't know that Hugh's dad was uh, you know a professor in in creative writing or whatever it is that that you know would have had influence over him and finding all this stuff yeah. I'm getting way off track. I need to focus back in on Pinkney. You're talking about he's becoming a go-to guy for projects and activities. Right, right, right. And so we said uh, we were getting together an advisory group for the press, and we said, okay, who should we have on? And we named a bunch of people, and we said, let's let's bring Pinkney on. And so there were, um, you know, a bunch of very um, solid scholars and and. Uh, people with history at SIU and mm-hmm. with the SIU Press and Pinkney, and Pinkney came in and we sat around the table and we're going, you know, okay, what can we do to make the press a little more connected to campus? Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 one of the co-directors of the uh, press really said, what can we do to make this to do something different? Uh-huh. You know, we we publish nice, really strong scholarly books, but how can what's the how can we you know push it the next step? Mm-hmm. And Pinkney started talking about podcasts, and they started talking about well, maybe we could have author stories, or maybe we could do audio books. Mm-hmm. And Pinkney goes, well, you know, I got a class that uh, that does podcasts, and they're <laughs> very good recorders, and uh-huh. they know how to run. A mic and mm-hmm. and so and about that time I was I got some donations t- from the friends of Morris Library to build a podcast booth 
and <laughs> and Pinkney was working in in this closet, broom closet, with you know carpets and 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 blankets mm -hmm. hung up on PVC cord. And I said, well, why don't you bring your and and why don't we do a a podcast a audio book? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much you uh, listen to audio books, but man, I remember my wife and I on on one road trip we we got this real popular beach woman who does beach beach novels <laughs> and it was this audiobook where she said come over to my apartment and he said where's your apartment <laughs> and she said it's down the road about a mile and he said okay let's and it was like oh my god this it is didn't horrible flow there was no, no. actual creativity no. too it was just we're reading the words they're from just the page. reading the words uh-huh so Pinkney and Amy Etchison mm -hmm. got together and pitched this concept of getting books from the backlist of the press and making them audiobooks. And yeah. this is Blanket Fort Radio. Yeah. And so the first book they did was A Night of a Different Sort, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Charlie Berger story. And I don't know if you know who Charlie Berger was. So context a, a little bit more. Being from Carbondale, first off, great-grandma used to work in the glove factory. There's a tidbit for Oh, yeah, yeah. And then That's on my love place, man. <laughs> the love glove. <laughs> because you are you are the definition of love at the glove. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, I know. You know, we went there last um, last Valentine's Day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and we went that with with some other people because they said we gotta go there because mm -hmm. this is love at the glove and this was us baby <laughs> it was fun that's phenomenal so um on yes. on a uh, gram on a uh, call her nanny bush and his great grandma um on her wall was a clipping from the day that Charlie Berger was hanged oh, and I can remember yeah. it I can remember the smell of, I can remember the smell of her house it's yeah. still it's still a one room little house really? right across from Carbondale New School I can I can remember the smell I can remember always seeing that that clipping on the wall while I was eating you know Nanny Bush's homemade pizza and yeah. it was just so it's a thing that sticks out in my mind oh, yeah. everybody's got their own way of remembering something and that's my connection so yeah so they did this <laughs> so the students came in and they they did about first couple chapters, mm -hmm. and they put music to it, and they've got different people doing different voices, mm -hmm. and and it's it's like a radio show. Yeah, like I remember when I was a young, well, I, old old time radio was. <laughs> I'm not that old, but right. it was close, and um, they started recording these things, and they're amazing. It's like listening to fiction, yeah. especially Charlie Berger. And they're, they've got more coming down the pike. And what happened was they had this marvelous studio in the library, mm -hmm. and COVID-19 hits. And so <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't yeah. get in a studio and talk no, you know, one on one with one somebody on one, face two to feet face. apart. You, you know, know, we're we're fifteen, twenty feet away yeah, right, right now. You yeah. and I. <laughs> yes. So, um, so the students went home, and we thought, and I thought, well, that was a great idea. That's going nowhere. <laughs> and sure enough, these students, and this is the thing. Oops. No, it's okay. Get excited. This that's is what we're the here thing for, <laughs> you were talking about. Uh huh. These are the are the people who are. A step above, yeah. Somehow, 
they're, I just know they're going to, they're going to, because yep. they kept doing it. Yep. Even some that graduated in yep. May kept producing mm -hmm. this. And, and so the one, one woman went home. She was, she was recording her parts and, you know, it sounded bad. Uh -huh. So she got under the kitchen table, put a blanket over it. <laughs> and made the blanket fort, and that gave her the nice look, kind of like you've got behind you. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so they thought, man, this is it, because these kids, these students were, you know, kept it up when they yeah. didn't have to, and and they did it with blanket forts. So so every time they sign off of their interviews, they they've got the Pinkney and Amy do this interview, and they go, and now. When you go home, make your own blanket for it <laughs> and tell your story. Uh, and so it's just great. And so, um, you know, the next, the next uh, audio book, uh, the Charlie Berger store is going to run for a while. Mm -hmm. And then the next one that's come out, and I think they're ready to go with it, is mm -hmm. the story of Mother Jones. You know who Mother Jones is? Uh, the the labor yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize she's buried out in Mount up in Mount, Mount Olive. Okay. And SIU Press a couple of years ago published her biography, mm -hmm. and so they've got someone from the English department is reading that one. I think it's only going to be one reader on uh -huh. that. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, that's a that's an exciting thing, and you know nobody else is doing this. Yeah. No s no. Uh, Academic uh, or university presses doing this. So let me let me tie you into my greater concept yeah. here. Yeah. Right. So that that is that is one of many ways in which we can create and do create media now. And you know there there are plenty of people that will attest to podcasting is the way to go and audio is the way to go because our world is visual and we can move throughout a visual world while maintaining a separate audio backing. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I can think yeah. of, I, I do marketing and all day long, whether I'm taking pictures or writing copy or da, 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 da earbuds in and I'm consuming, you know, particularly right. WSI. Really? I'm not, I'm not yeah. as much of a podcast guy, but I'm still, you know, there's it's audio. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's neither here nor there. Not the point I'm trying to get to, but exciting to, to acknowledge the. So for me, that my, my big pitch is Creator Dale. And the thought behind this is, I love that face. Uh, the, the thought behind this <laughs> Nobody is, ever says that to me, so thank you. <laughs> Not even my um, wife. <laughs> is, to, is to have at least 100, but could be however many folks, right, here creating, living an interconnected life. Almost like everybody has their own show, and then everybody has their own specials that is when their show intersects with somebody else's show, and that is their life intersects with somebody else's life, yeah. and they work to document it. Oh, right? yeah. And it's yeah. in whatever format you want to do that, whether it's still photography, moving video, strict audio, social media interactions, whatever it may be, it's all in that media realm. It's all content. It's all creator activity. Yeah. And it's something that can encompass faculty, students, community members, visitors it is you know people who have simple economic stake or interest in this space and so i'm thr i had no idea what your title was john i had no idea what you did i, yeah, right. I did not some, know some i was smoke. like ah, dean yeah, yeah. library cool <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go yeah. <laughs> i was like i put out the honey pot and he's a fly that got caught yeah, let's right. move with we it. had an exciting show now we'll bring a librarian on and kind of <laughs> calm everything down and see and what happened I, you didn't I'm, know i'm absolutely floored that you have as much 
direction that you both probably put out and receive from the library, from the museum, oh, yeah. and from the yeah. university press, right? And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so thrilled about this because as, as this project creates, and I can't sit here and say this is, that Creatordale is going to be my project. I can say that, cool, it's my pitch to folks, but the project is going to be everybody's project. And then my contribution to that project is WTF Carbondale. The yeah. question then becomes, what are other people's contributions to that? Yeah. What becomes the university museum's contribution to Creatordale? What becomes SIU Press's contribution to Creatordale? What becomes the library's um, uh, contribution to Creatordale? And there are things that already exist. What Wes did with the Black Lives Matter yeah. uh, movement and the photos that were there, I can guarantee you that there were photos that were in that exhibit that were displayed on the group page day of right right there yeah right yeah exactly yeah there, yeah right yeah, um, yeah. with with Pinkney Benedict and what they're doing uh, in the audio space there that is that is something to be picked up and ran with and that itself interacts with another internal mechanism with SIU which is WSIU yeah right, right. so that exactly. builds yeah, their yeah, content yeah. base and that's exactly right there's there's so much legitimacy in here you get one step further into it and how do you industrialize uh, this you know Illinois I would say is considered about you know fifth best state to shoot movies in now behind New York right, and California right. and Georgia we have proper tax incentives I've been working on this one for a couple years I've even had to kick some dirt on some people about it neither here nor there but the uh, we have a tourism bureau that is dedicated right. to Carbondale. Got a good relationship with the folks there. Jordan's amazing. Um, and they have a direct line into the state tourism bureau. Really? Yeah. And the state tourism bureau actually manages the uh, mechanism for uh, film uh, production in the state. They are kind of the, the um, bureaucratic body that engages with the film industry. So it's two jumps and That's we're right. there yeah. with the people yeah. that can help tie us into larger activities. Well, you know, I told you I lived in the Quad Cities. Yeah. So Dyersville, Iowa. Mm -hmm. Dyersville, Iowa. The Field of Dreams. <laughs> Is that what? Sorry, yeah. I'm not a... Uh, no, I know, but that, I mean, who who the hell has heard of Dyersville, Iowa? Yeah. Well, the, the, the Iowa, you know, we've got Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that is a blessing and a curse. Yep. But um, they brought a film, a major film, to Dyersville, Iowa, mm -hmm. that developed into, is this heaven? No, it's yeah. Iowa. Yeah. And they did Field of Dreams <laughs> up there. Well, it, my, my pitch <coughs> for folks is a mix of, this place <coughs> is great. Um, in, in you know our little southern Illinois region, it's a merger of like six great <coughs> geographical zones or yeah, whatever right, the yeah, technical yeah. term is of it. You've got plains, you've got bluffs, You've got uh, you know swampland. You've got hill country, and it all it's all right here, all within like an hour and a half drive of each other. But then within a five hour drive is Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, Memphis, Memphis Indianapolis. And all of these places are becoming <clears throat> their own torchbearers of right, industry. And right. as climate change pushes people closer in. Right, you got flooding on the East Coast and in the and yeah, in the yeah. Um, oh, God. Gulf. You've got a, <laughs> yeah. We can we can take take advantage of a global. I, I know it's awful, <laughs> but it's a pitch, John. Hear yeah, me out right. on this, man. It's very real. Um, and you know, fires fires out in the in the West. It's like when these when these people who are already mm. doing there what we are innovating here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Megan, I mean, you you listen to Megan Randall's podcast. They came here because they had remote work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. they're. 
we provide access to right. major metros, and we also have the the affordability and the the ability to yeah, do proper remote exactly. work because of our internet access. Yeah. And it's I I think that it's all a winning proposition. <laughs> I was talking to a guy who uh, had some connections with healthcare, uh-huh. and he said, uh, you know, there's always been a rural problem getting doctors to come out to rural places, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and so with COVID nineteen. There's a lot of doctors who are thinking, why am I riding on mass transit? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this when I could have a beautiful life in a rural community? So yep. I think there's going to be a whole, like you said, a whole shift of yep. people. And if we're, if we're poised for it, mm-hmm. I think we're, it, it's beautiful. Uh, what a, wow, that sounded like a politician. It's going to be the beautiful so beautiful. Oh, that's uh, yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. I, I work to plant those ideas in your mind. Yeah. You regurgitate them. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'll take no, care. I'll, but, I'll take care of the political but, side, John. But I think. But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think you're tapping into exactly what I what my um, what I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only need a couple million dollars, but but you know, libraries. It's out there though. It legitimately is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, libraries have always been a place where people come to follow their community, mm-hmm. their, their, their curiosity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's forced upon them by faculty uh, <laughs> assignments, but otherwise they can, you know, they can move through. Um, they, can, they can say, well, I'm gonna do a paper. What am I interested in, hopefully? Mm-hmm. And they'll go to the library and they'll find things, and they'll find things, books, and they'll find resources. And, and for years, a couple hundred years, We've always been print-based. Mm-hmm. Even our electronic resources are still print-based. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'd like to do is turn over a spot in the library. So, and, you know, library's been into this makerspace thing for a oh, long yeah. time. Yeah. And that's great, but I think it, the, the key is the creative space. Mm-hmm. So if we had a place in the library where, I f- you know, carbon... Yeah. Uh, you know, a make you know where people can do virtual reality, create videos, create podcasts. You know, that's the new kind of scholarship I mm-hmm. think we're seeing here in Carbondale. And uh, if we can do that, and you know, I'm still kind of more focused on on the students, but we've got you know some amazing uh, creative students that are doing stuff that's way beyond writing papers mm-hmm. that could, instead of doing, and, and we've got them in history, we've got them in, in English, mm-hmm. and we've got uh, people, you know, amazing people in the communications uh, departments. Mm-hmm. And so the library needs to be positioned in such a way to foster that curiosity and that development in, people who are doing things that is not text-based. Media is the intersection for everything. It is. And it truly is. I appreciate the makerspace because of physical goods, but the reality yeah. is media has the ability to travel at the push of a button. Physical goods requires our traditional infrastructure of right. trucks, roads, right. planes, right. boats, yeah. et cetera, to get from one place to another. Because of the internet, the way that it sits now, media is the move i'm john this is this has been a phenomenal conversation and it is is 
Uh, have we taken up an hour? We, we've taken up over an hour. Oh my we, God. we truly I didn't have. Think we had, well, I kind of knew I would just start yammering, and and you couldn't stop me. But we covered all the right. This ground. was beautiful. This is thing. <laughs> I think, you know, I like to be. I like the topic. I think we're doing great things uh, at SIU. I'm I'm real excited about these podcasts. That's Saluki stories. Saluki and if stories. you if there you, you want to be part of Saluki Stories, if you have a story to tell about your time at SIU, you can send an email to salukistories at siu.edu. That's salukistories at siu.edu. How was that? Did I get my FM voice going? That was phenomenal. And that's episode 15. John, pronounce your last name one more time so I just don't butcher it. Pollitz. John Pollitz, the... Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen, whatever that one may be.